It's the Shooty Talk Show. Yeah. Isn't that a cool jingle? That's a wonderful jingle. <laughs> okay, um, so I got to start off by saying this. We are here with Bill Spence, who is running for Gilbert Town Council, November 8th, 2022. Uh, we spoke to the other candidate briefly, and we tried to put together a forum so that you guys could kind of, you know, I don't know, debate, hash it out, or basically put you guys in the same spot so mm -hmm. that um, citizens could ask questions and, and kind of see how you answered. That We weren't able to make that happen, but then I thought... Why don't we have Bill on the podcast? Because you're an interesting guy. I thank you for saying that. I mean, uh, doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yes, but you do. You have a, a, a lot of um, career paths that you've gone on, and a lot. Mm -hmm. You're doing a lot in the community, and you did serve on town council, right? For in, in 2020. 2020. I, was, uh, very... I was the COVID councilman. I like to say so. Oh, I, nice. I came onto council and immediately proceeded into working through COVID and working the problem. Which was so easy. 230 days of the greatest days of my life. And, <laughs> but I, I tell people all the time, there's no place else that I would have wanted to be during that time frame because yeah, I think that being uh, quarantined inside my house it, that was not an option for me. Yeah. And, uh, and so I felt that specifically with my military background that I was uniquely qualified to, to serve in that capacity. But yeah, you, uh, you know how to operate under pressure. And I, during a catastrophe and now pandemic. And now pandemic. Yeah, it's such a big and word. everything else that went with it. So, uh, but it was a great experience, um, and definitely something that uh, being a part of Gilbert to, to yeah. be able to serve my town during that time, I think, was something that I, I will always cherish. My kids love it. My family is. It's like, Dad, this is the greatest thing. Well, ever. and you have um, some history because you are a native, right? I in the am valley. one of those one of those very rare yeah. born and raised. I think. From this place, I'm about seven miles away from where I where I grew up. So I am truly an Old East circle. Valley, third generation East Valley native. Uh, grew up in Tempe. Awesome. Um, used to and I, we used to ride the, or take the bus for sporting events over into Gilbert, and we're like, we're going out to Gilbert. And the it was boonies. A, it was a 30, 45 minute drive to yeah. on dirt roads, and so I I watched East Valley grow. Uh, it used to end at Alma School when I was uh, when I was a boy. I used to ride my bike to the new mall being built, which is Fiesta Mall. Oh, my God. Okay, so you really can't bring that up because I am so emotional about Fiesta Mall because that's where I grew up. Like, so many you great... remember? Oh, my gosh. Like, so many great memories, shopping mm -hmm. with my mom. Um, I mean, and she was a holdout. Like, she would not switch to Chandler Mall. Or of Channel. No, it was like... We denied like, Chandler Mall because exactly. Fiesta Mall Exactly, was... and we wanted to support it. So, I don't know. I'm not a big change person. So, mm -hmm. like, I like to go back and have all the feels of my childhood. So now I can't really go back. <laughs> so. Well, and it's interesting to talk about, um, you know, back in the days when we were talking about Tempe, we used to say Tempe was a small town surrounded by a big city. And what we have seen decades later is that Gilbert, you know, is that small town surrounded by, by a big, big city. city. Uh, so the same the same movement of growth we've been seeing throughout East Valley for the last you know forty years. Yeah, well, and I think it's great people obviously yep. have been here for generations, and so it's, we've made it very desirable. Absolutely. Everybody wants to be here. Well, and it, I, I'm glad you brought that up. When I was when I retired from the Navy in, in 2010, and I was um, I was a nuclear engineer. And yeah, I want to I want to hear about. Well, that, I'll tell you what. Why don't we go ahead and you start asking questions, and I'll just I'll <laughs> no. just follow your lead. No, no, for sure. Um, well, I wanted to talk about that. So you native to the Valley, third mm -hmm. generation. So you're familiar with the area, I would say. And um, but your career, military career, uh, we talked briefly about it um, before, which I found so interesting, being a nuclear engineer. 
Yes. Is that right? On submarines, right? You spent most of I, your time at sea? I spent, uh, out of the 24 years I served, uh, I went to school for the first uh, first several years I was in. I went to school, uh, came out from, from Arizona, went to Orlando, Florida, went to school for a couple years in Florida. Okay. Uh, had a, a short stint for six months at a, the Idaho National Engineering Laboratory, which is a massive nuclear testing facility up in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Okay. Uh, so we go to an actual prototype there, and then I went to my first submarine out of Pearl Harbor. Oh, wow. Which was a great submarine. We were we were a SEAL delivery platform. We used to, we had a miniature sub on the back of our boat, and we we went out with SEAL teams, and we would go off the coast of some bad place, and we, <laughs> SEALs would go and do cool stuff. Oh, so you were like transporting and them. And we so, were, what did they do? Take like a small submarine attached to the big submarine? Literally, that's yeah. exactly what it is—a little piggyback submarine—and they would go and do Just missions and do stuff. Top and, secret stuff. Yeah. No. It was uh, steely-eyed killers of the deep. Is the yeah. Way. Is what is what we we said and i had a phenomenal career uh again nuclear engineering um, got to do submarines out of pearl harbor uh washington state san diego uh Groton, connecticut got to build my first submarine um wow. the uss seawolf which was a big cold war behemoth but a lot of things that came out during that time frame because we we're talking about military drawdown but we still were in the wake of the cold war um, then i did one shore duty which was manpower management i was uh, the person that got to pick and choose where people move, which is great now because it actually wasn't human resources type sure. of experience. For well, me. and you have managerial experience, obviously. Mm-hmm. I know you had a lot of people who reported to you. Well, at, at that time, I was a, I was a senior enlisted, uh, promoted very quickly on the enlisted rank, and then um, they asked me to put in for an officer commission, and I put in and got selected and early promoted into uh, the officer ranks, and then promoted one month shy of the fastest legal way of, of promoting. So I retired as a lieutenant commander after 10 years of service. Awesome. Um, seven submarines, two aircraft carriers. Um, one, of the, one of the handful of people where I was qualified to drive both aircraft carriers and submarines and still operate, like, maintain. Like drive them. Well, I, had, I, was, <laughs> I was a person that I had two other officers that worked sure. for me, and then I had 24 people on the bridge team. So I was the one responsible for everything, and then I had somebody that actually turned the ship for me, and i just tell them where to go. Actually, I would tell an officer to tell somebody to do. Um, <laughs> tell someone to tell someone But to really, it was all about, we just land airplanes and do this stuff. But great, cool. great experience. And then when they said that I was too senior to drive ships, um, I kind of said, well, I'm, I want to go home and, and be a really great dad. How many years, dad. you said? 24. 24. Okay, awesome. And you can retire, is it 20? At 20. With full benefits and... Yes. That's always uh, so cool, the military. I mean, I, the best training in the world. It's a, There's great opportunities now. Anybody watching that's talking about, you know, their children thinking of, of, of military yeah. as a possible opportunity to get a college education, great incentives. So I always push uh, veterans have my heart. You know, yeah. I have a great story about how I really got involved with Gilbert and with the veterans. It started out with the veterans issues. I don't know if you ever heard that. Um, I'd love to hear. Well, and I've always had like a passion. I've had um, family members, grandparents, dad that served in the military Mm -hmm. and um, just hearing their stories, some stories. My dad was in Vietnam, so there's not a lot of stories Mm -hmm. that came out of that um, that he shared. And it just seems like such a selfless, giving warrior heart. I mean, badass dudes, really. And I always looked up to them. And then I should say badass women because... um, Mm -hmm. Such great people serve in the military. And like you said, there's such great opportunity. My son started off wanting to be a paleontologist forever. And then I thought, well, this probably is not going to stick. Uh-huh. I was hoping it would because I was like, that's cool. Go dig in the dirt for a living. <laughs> but then he hit 12 years old and he said, I'm going to be in the Army. 
And I was like, okay, well, this will probably change, change. No, it went uh-huh. from paleontologist to I want to be in, an inf- infantry officer in the Army. And sure enough, um, he went to school. He applied for a National Army scholarship, uh-huh. which was awesome because he had his whole school paid for. And great education, and he just graduated, and then he is in the National second lieutenant just started in in the national congratulations or, yeah, and you're not national a, guard is a national and you're not a proud mom at all on that. i know well With it's a, cool but when you talk about i see like your face light up when you talk about your military experience and your military mm-hmm. career like you absolutely loved it and i i love the passion and i guess that's how i feel and mixed with being a worried mom because the world's crazy the, the world is crazy <laughs> um you do bring up something that i want to bring up yeah so Congressman Biggs is doing service academy appointments, and the expiration date is the 22nd of October. So I anybody that. watching that's yes. thinking about it, get the applications in. They're doing the academy appointments. Great career. Um, you can come Absolutely. and do 24 years and then come back and run for town council. And, yeah. and right, well, do whatever Gilbert. the heck you want. Do right? whatever. And for me, the, the greatest thing is that the health care that I'm able to give to my yeah. family for the rest of my life. And that's a big, big bonus, um, especially sure. with what Gilbert does offer for, for residents or veterans. Well, Congressman Biggs is actually coming in a couple weeks to talk to us. Well, so, uh, I, I, was, I just I talked with them probably three times in the last seven days about oh, nice. several different veterans issues. And uh, um, so what were you talking about happening in Gilbert with veterans also, issues? Um, when I when I retired in 2010, the ship was getting underway. I didn't have really the opportunity to have a retirement ceremony. So in oh. 2012, there was a program called Operation Welcome Home. Um, that actually Vice Mayor Yentes was a part of in that day. Her and her mom did this with Mayor Daniels. Okay. And I was selected to be uh, on operate or recognized as Operation Welcome Home. It was uh, me and a friend of mine named Bobby, and then we had a gold star mom that was out there. So the three of us were out there. Um, I never had the retirement ceremony, but I had the ceremony. My dad was able to attend, my baby sister and my kids. Uh, My mom was was ill at the time and was not able to come down from Prescott. but we had you know, the motorcycle escort. I had a proclamation put out for me. The town of Gilbert was just amazing. I love and, that. And my mom passed away a week and a half later. So her last memories were actually the newspaper headlines where I got to show my mom, look what Gilbert oh. did for me. And then in 2013, I was a grand marshal in Gilbert Days Parade. Uh, great, great opportunity. There were four of us that were um, doing, the, doing the parade. And ever since that moment, it was something that I felt really obligated to the town of Gilbert for recognizing. For sure. I, I was just a regular kid. Yeah. Um, and so we did that. But Gilbert has approximately like 25,000. You have, I think, 11,000 veterans directly. But when you take their, their families and their children, it's a base of about 25,000 people in Gilbert. We are a very, very proud veterans community. And we're doing some great things with uh, our USS Arizona project. Uh, veterans nice. healthcare, mental wellness, and then obviously the ceremonies are, uh, we are the Valley's destination for many of the of the ceremonies. We're doing flyovers routinely, and there is a great Veterans uh, Day um, ceremony coming up at Regional Park, so uh, I'll be able to push that out on Gold Yeah, yeah for sure. Let's, let's put it out. So is it, so the Veterans Committee that you're a part of, it's basically just like reaching on different projects, almost, it, it sounds was, like. You know, it was something, and I was, I was blessed. Uh, I talked, my very first council meeting, I talked about how I wanted to bring the USS Arizona submarine, you know, and, and uh, pursue a host city, host town uh, opportunity. Yeah. And every ship has a, you know, a sponsor where they hit the, the ship with a bottle, and then they have a town that, that also Wait, comes. Wait, because I don't know this. 
hit a ship with a bottle. Do you ever see on the old movies where ships send the waves? They're they're putting it in the water and they take a champagne bottle and they smash. I don't, the Mike. Okay, so Mike's hole. like shaking his head because he um, is a history buff and loves documentaries mm-hmm. and old shows and everything. So I know I, I feel bad. I, I don't know, but I know it now. <laughs> I'm going to send you photos of it. But what's yeah. really significant is on the on the hundredth anniversary during COVID. This was something that in the midst of trying to keep the town from burning. Um, yeah. we, we were able to contact uh, the Navy and, and pursue this. And on the 100th anniversary, a lot of people don't know this happened. We were formally asked. The 100th on, anniversary of Gilbert? In, of Gilbert. Because okay. our, our actual centennial in 2020, we were yeah. formally asked if we would be the host town for the new USS Arizona submarine. Yeah. And, my, and my mantra has always been, uh, you know, the USS Arizona brought the country together once. It can do it again. It can start in yeah. Gilbert. And so very That's excited. so cool. We're doing a key lane December 7th. So we're actually laying steel on the ground and starting construction this December. And, uh, and we're supposed to go out there, uh, watch the key lane. So the ceremonial aspect of it is starting to build up the next couple of years. Where is it? Do you know where it's going to be? It's being built in, in uh, Groton or New London, Connecticut. Groton, Connecticut at the okay. uh, Electric Boat Naval, uh, Nuclear Shipyard, Naval Shipyard there. Awesome. That's well, and I so, love feeling important, <laughs> and, yeah. and Gilbert should make everyone feel important Absolutely. because it's people like you that are thinking outside of the box and not just trying to think of what would be different and what what would draw people to the town and mm-hmm. what could people talk about. And everybody wants to feel like their town's doing something. I've been to plenty of towns and cities that are lame. Yeah, <laughs> so. and I'll tell you, I, once, once we did this, and once Scottsdale and Phoenix and you know the other people, were like well, that sounds really cool. How come, yeah. how come Gilbert's doing it? It's like because Gilbert's awesome. Right. Uh, but the what was interesting is that the people came and they said Gilbert represents what we think Americans, you know, the typical American town. They wanted to make sure that the USS Arizona and the people involved with it represent the messaging of it. And mm-hmm. they said that Gilbert was uniquely qualified to serve that purpose. So very well, exciting. And, it's, and it's, it comes from the people. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you talk to people about Gilbert, and um, we see it you know, online, through Facebook and everything, people are passionate and they mm-hmm. want to get involved and they're excited. I, the nicest people I've ever met are in Gilbert. It's, it's really infectious. And I don't know if you've seen, I, had, um, I, I was also honored. I got an endorsement from, do you know Carrie Walsh Jennings, five-time Olympian, three gold medalist, uh, She's arguably the number one volleyball, right? Volleyball, beach volleyball, beach volleyball. She is arguably the, the beach volleyball player, you know, the, the goat of beach volleyball uh, in the world. And when I was on council in 2020, we opened up regional park and with a crazy idea, (laughs) we were able to bring Carrie to regional park. And so she helped us kick off uh, Gilbert days in 2020 with a volleyball tournament. And, uh, and says, I want to come back to Gilbert. I love Gilbert. I want to come back and work with you on some things. So, a lot of exciting things there for regional opportunities for Gilbert. Well, and I think that it, thinking outside the box and thinking bigger, mm-hmm. you know, thinking bigger, like why couldn't we have, you know, it, it just like with the, the USS Arizona, like why couldn't it, why couldn't Gilbert be a part of that? Well, that was my campaign slogan in, in, in 2020. Why not Gilbert? When people say, I love Gilbert, I, I would love to live there. Well, why not Gilbert? I want to do business. Why not Gilbert? I want to uh, get involved. Why not Gilbert? And there, yeah. Gilbert has met all those uh well, and talking about the people of Gilbert, you look mm-hmm. at these families, so generations, right? Generations have been here. And then um, I always think of, like, Joe Johnston, um, the Morrisons, the John- the other Johnsons. I guess that's more Queen Creek. But families that have just loved this community to raise or to raise their kids and their grandkids and their mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And, um, and just I, attention to detail is one thing that pops out to mind, like some of the things with downtown and, like, the epicenter. And it's really going above and beyond what I think other towns and cities are doing. 
from even just an aesthetic point of view, which is weird, but mm -hmm. when I drive by, like, I want to look at pretty things. I want to look at, and, and I feel like architecture, we just got, I don't know if it's faster, um, it's just so disinteresting when you go by and you see the strip mall that and you is. see the big commercial building, it's like, we can do better. You know, I want, I want, I want to feel, it, it's all about a feeling when people come to Gilbert. Um, the funniest thing, so I have to tell you this really quick, was mm -hmm. on a Go Gilbert post. Um, and we talk about the Facebook group a lot because it's, it's a good and sometimes bad insight to mm -hmm. <laughs> what people at Gilbert <laughs> think sometimes. But there was a guy who he had posted, and this is one of my very favorite posts over the past five years, and I don't know if you saw this, but he was like, I'm on Go Gilbert. I don't live in Gilbert. I don't live in Arizona. Uh -huh. Someone invited me to the, to the group, and I thought, well, I don't need to be in this. But I started looking, and it's so funny. What people are posting is so funny and so relatable. So he fast forward, he said, I have a business trip. I'm going to Gilbert. Um, or I'm, I have a business trip in Mesa or one other um, city. And he said he would tell people, well, I got to go to Gilbert. And they're like, what do you, what do you want to go to Gilbert for? Like, there's nothing in Gilbert. Like, you're here. And he Everything's said, in Gilbert. I know, but it was so funny because like, you don't understand. I'm so invested in this place that I've never even been mm -hmm. that I'm going to go. And it was so funny because then he said, his big thing to the last person who asked him, he's like, F you, I'm going to Gilbert. <laughs> and so he tells of this and it was just hysterical, but it made me think, yeah, we are a cool place and we're drawing people in from over the from all over the country. I know, but people we, complain about that too. People do we complain are about nationally, that. I mean, and it's, it's interesting. We are nationally recognized. I, and when, when we first did the, I first realized that we were nationally recognized with the USS Arizona because right after the, the newspaper did the article that we were the sponsored town, I was getting phone calls from Virginia and Washington, D.C. and California. And I was like, I know Gilbert. I know Gilbert. Which is um, crazy because you would think Phoenix mm -hmm. or maybe well, Scottsdale. People and what it turned that. out to, people refer to it as Phoenix because that's kind of oh, globally sure. known. It's like, oh, I go to Phoenix. And when I when they were talking to me, it's like, well, I go to Phoenix, but I don't really go to Phoenix. I actually go to Gilbert. That's so um, cool. Growing up, you know, we talk about the small town feel and, and mm -hmm. I, I have to start up by saying I'm ruthlessly protective of what Gilbert's identity is in, in that small town field. But growing yeah. up in Tempe, um, to give you an idea how long ago it was, I used to get my hair cut at Sun Devil Barber's. What? Hair? Yes. So my mom <laughs> would take me to get my hair cut at Sun Devil Barber's at ASU. And then nice. I was able to go roller skating at ASU while she went and ran errands and did shopping. So um, to be so roller skating to up and down Mill Avenue and around the, the university, that was my, you know, that was my thing as a kid. So coming over to Gilbert now, that's what I think, you know, the whole 16-hour family-friendly downtown heritage district is something that I'm uh, ruthlessly protecting. I want, you know, to be able to, we go and meet friends for coffee, maybe it carries over into lunch, you do a little bit of shopping, and you go to the farmer's market, and then it carries over into, I love the prickly pear ice cream over at yeah, Topo. Topo, oh, sure. Good. Okay, so here's, yeah. since you brought up downtown, I'm going to tell you my concerns. Yes. <laughs> so um, one thing, and I had talked to um, some of the, I think I had mentioned it to Mayor Peterson, mm -hmm. and I think Jen, when she was, um, held the office, but retail, and I under, just getting something other than kind yes. of food and bars, but she had mentioned that there's just not enough foot traffic to maybe warrant it. So I don't know if that's still the case, but it's like, how do we make it a little more diverse? And then I see business, and then I see these restaurants going out of business. I'm like, how are you going out of business? In a place that's growing and so popular, I mean, I, I guess I do know it's probably bad customer mm -hmm. service, bad this. So then I'm like, okay, <laughs> there should be like, a, this is terrible. Yeah. And this is not a very, um, like, free market or capitalistic <laughs> view. But, but just having, I don't know if you can vet businesses that, because I know that other places do it, you know, when they develop, um, you know, a shopping center or whatnot. Uh -huh. I know the landlord can kind of vet 
like, hey, we're looking for these types of businesses or something like that. So then when I see something go out of business in downtown Gilbert, I'm like, what the heck? Like, what are you, what, not Gilbert, but like as a business owner, like you should be totally set up. But I guess not everyone knows how to run a business. It's, you know, part of that is government should not be in the business of telling businesses what I to know. do. That's so that's I one of my things. However, right. <laughs> I'm getting a dirty look from Mike over there. <laughs> I know. And I'm just like spitballing because I totally agree with that. But I'm like, oh, I want everything to just like do well. But something that something that you and I have talked about and I've seen, uh, and it's, it's something that I've been talking about for several years, um, government's role versus the, the people's role. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of collaborative efforts. And, and I say that, you know, our, our values don't end at our, at our town lines. Right. Um, and I have great relationships with Chandler. Um, I grew up, you know, several of these kids I grew up with, a lot of the Tim P leadership are kids I used to go yeah. skating with. So I have all of, you know, between the, the regional chamber of commerce and the regional leadership talking about what does, what's a right fit for things. And when you take a look at the heritage district, you know, we do need retail out there. We need retail. That's going to be yeah. dovetailing into, um, you know, what the, what the vibe is of, of the heritage district. I'm opposed to, you know, big tall buildings and, and blocking yeah. off the, you know, what little short skyline we have. It's what I want the skyline to be, but, right. um, to be able to collaborate with the businesses and with, you know, what can we do from the town and the redevelopment uh, designations of the Heritage District, the town and the people, what, I think if you sample all the data, you're going to find exactly what the Heritage needs. For sure. Without the town saying, this is what we yeah. want to vet. I think that they're recognized. There was at one time where we had, um, I want to say about 200 taps on the same qu- on the same quarter mile in Heritage District. Yeah. And we just didn't need that many beer taps. What we needed was <laughs> yeah. another breakfast place would have been. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Bergies. I go there until I, until I moved, and now I'm a huge fan of, uh, I go to Four Silos and uh, the coffee shop at Agritopia. My, All my great places. places, yeah. But they have that one-off restaurant feel, and I think that's what the heritage really needs is, is for sure not looking down the road of chains but looking on those you know inspiring people to do the one-off opportunities um there's a new place called humble bistro that's kind of a one-off yeah i, I like love it humble bistro yeah i think they have a place in um phoenix they do have them yeah um i well one i think there's a couple places one's like humble pie yes but i believe it's like and this one's like humble bistro mm-hmm. it okay so that's a thing i'm surprised they're not busier than they are though because it's so good oh, i've been humble, there a few times oh, and the weekends are crazy are they on friday and saturday nights are hard okay to get, so we don't brunch. i don't go out on friday and saturday so like tuesday Me. night i'm like well that's not well, that busy but of course it now be. now we're taking a look at where where we can collaborate and talk with the businesses and when we talk why don't we go out for breakfast on a saturday morning because the wait is an hour and a half for sure uh, but the farmer's market has great breakfast opportunities there so yeah. that's where i go and grab my breakfast but I, I think that's something we can really take a look at and and communication is invaluable in making and making good decisions um i love yeah. going out and i i kind of say i dress up i truly am the guy that's running around in a i have my little bill but i have a, a t-shirt oh, yeah, that's, i was gonna grab bill <laughs> i forgot a, but i have the t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops and i've been doing that for decades and you know everyone walks around and and to be able to go and talk with the people um, especially outside some of the restaurants that have the weights and you know, what, what do you need? Well, it'd be great if we had this. And there are some things happening in the North anchor in the heritage district. I think it's going to give us some, um, yeah. with the mixed use space that's coming out there. I think that's going to give us some. Is that the, where's, Oh, that's on the North. north on the North. Is, the, oh, okay. We're like the dirt parking where lot. Where the old Burger King is over there, the big dirt parking lot. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be able to do. And as long as we're building with, with Gilbert's values and, you know, we can't lose, um, I'm saddened when I talk to my friends, like, what happened to Mill Avenue? And we got to make sure that we don't go down yeah. that path of just well, putting... Well, or even, um, 
you know, well, I, I, they're doing great things too. I think in Mesa, the downtown, because that, that's kind of where and, I grew up, not mm-hmm. too far. Of that so there, it was so funny. I was uh, this has been maybe two three years ago, and I was for some reason I was looking on Mesa attractions in Mesa. <laughs> no. I don't know why my brain was even there, but it was so funny because they immediately pointed you to downtown Gilbert. Yes. As if (laughs) my my friends. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's pretty close. So, but it was just funny. But then I had talked to, um, a couple city council, um, councilmen in Mesa. And I was like, what the heck? Like you could do what Mm -hmm. Gilbert's done. Like they've literally paved the way. And there again, this was some time, but they said they were having such a hard time speaking of business, finding businesses, that the one-offs that wanted to stay open, <clears throat> excuse me, at like normal hours, uh-huh. they so they had such a draw for like that breakfast. Like, okay, well, we'll be just people didn't want to hold businesses open like normal restaurant hours, and so they were really struggling back then. And I, I think that's something that, that to be clear in communications as to what the residents want for the Heritage District. Um, I do I do like the whole sixteen-hour day. You know, the breakfast right. the breakfast to dinner with your family. Um, and we don't need the places that stay home till 3 a.m. No, yeah. Um, but it'd be nice to be able to take your family out for dinner down in the Heritage District. And, right. and we have some other, you know, other problems that we need to address as far as parking. I'm not a big fan of putting parking lots all over right. the place. We need to be smarter about, you know, how we're doing, uh, addressing our parking situation. That's going to, be, again, be a, a big collaborative effort to figure out how to get people there. Um, for the record, I have to say, and I've said it about 20 times. Let's I, make it 21. I, I am opposed to light rail. There is no place. I've traveled the world over the air, on the water, and underwater, and there is no place for light rail. So when I talk about you know transportation parking options, in no way, shape, or form am I talking about trains coming to Gilbert. If this is the fine print. <laughs> well, and you know, we that's something that comes up all the time. It and then does. It, Yeah. And then, oh, we're just doing... Well, I think the final thing I heard is we're just doing like a focus group on it. Well, and it's... Is that, is that talking, something we tabled. Or? We tabled, and I don't, you know, I don't talk a lot about it. I'll spend just a very short time about it, but, um, you know, the town tabled the, the study... Um, on some properties, which I completely support. And I was opposing, you know, we don't need to spend that money right now. And this is balancing the needs that the needs of Gilbert versus the nice to haves in Gilbert. Um, you know, that yeah. study didn't need to be done. Now there's no need to address commuter rail or, or, and there's no really reason to, uh, pursue the commuter light rail in there. But where I get kind of frustrated and why I don't like to talk about that much is that we do have some real things that we need to talk about. Yeah. We need to talk about traffic. We need to talk about our infrastructure and water. We need to talk about, um, you know, where are we moving with, uh, just, you know, the, as we approach build out, what do we do with the rest of our properties that are undeveloped? Right. And so we spent probably the last four months talking about something that was never a real big issue but the last four months we could have really addressed you know how are we going to go through and manage traffic coming through the heritage district and williamsfield road some of these roads that have higley higley is is crazy (laughs) i don't like big roads have you ever been to dallas um no okay drive anybody has been to dallas that's an example of what you don't do well i think in austin austin you know rainy street kind of reminds me of um downtown Gilbert on a different level, but the traffic. Well, in Dallas, everybody has to take the scooters. (laughs) The electric scooters Mm -hmm. are everywhere. Um, You know, Gilbert doesn't have it. it, It's not the right thing to widen roads to alleviate traffic problems. So I think that we have an opportunity to take a look at some innovative technologies that are very, very cost effective, immediately deployable. And we can just start tackling, you know, on, on especially our, our critical uh, commuter arteries. We need to, we need to work on getting those things done. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Lindsay, right? Lindsay, yes, I that mean, is it seems a like big. It's helped. 
that is off a the big, 202 for sure. And uh, you know, that was a big, there's some people a little, a little bothered by that, but, um, it did really, uh, reduce the choke point on getting back to the 202 and, and, uh, yeah. giving our commuter traffic back to normal. Well, it's hard to make everybody happy all the time, but we can try. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, it's, it's, I'm very proud of my time, uh, on town council is that every single vote that I did was with the majority of resident support. So I had, you know, online on, uh, at least, you know, I say a simple majority, but really it was to the tune of 80, 90% of the residents supported the votes that we did. Um, and I think that that's, you know, residents first, where For we sure. want to go through and take that into account. And then applying the data whenever we do it. So I'm a big residents first, data-driven. Um, my pride and ego, they go over here. My ideology over here as a representative servant leader, I don't have a need to, you know, the people want this and the data says this, but I'm going to say out of principle, I'm going to vote this way. Yeah. I'm not that person. Right. Uh, I am, You're just I am, a vessel. I am. Uh, and I, I'm very <laughs> proud. I always say it's like I don't make a decision on anything until the last person speaks from the podium. And I think that's what I owe to the voters out there. Is that right. Everybody. General Mattis, uh, Mad Dog Mattis, who was a, the Secretary of Defense. Yeah. Um, love his quotes. There's a book. If you go on Amazon, Mattis quotes are amazing. But he said, listen with the prospect of being persuaded. Yeah. And I think that that is one of the big things that we should do as we move forward with Gilbert is take all the stakeholders, provide forms for people to have a voice and then well, listen. With and them. I, and I love that because there's so many people you'll have a conversation with and you can see they're not open to hearing your point of view. Oh, they already made their mind up a long yeah, time ago. You're just they're beholden to somebody or something. Exactly. For sure. And I, you know, we see that obviously, um, I mean, at national level for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's super frustrating because I think at the end of the day, we just want someone to, we want to feel represented and not feel like, hey, Bill's out there and he's just mm -hmm. looking for a, I don't know, what would you be looking for? Because I, money? <laughs> Are you getting paid uh, off? You know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, and obviously we see that at the national level. So, I mean, it's more important I think to get involved at the local level because yes. you are impacted by that mm -hmm. way more. Um, so I appreciate you saying that because you want someone who is at least willing to listen and take everybody's opinion into account and then make an educated decision based on who you represent. At the local level, more than uh, we don't have the caucus that you deal with partisan politics. And I think trying to run a, a, a caucus, so to speak, and right. I just, I was actually asked to, well, I'm not going to go down that road. Well, you have I, am, to I am not a caucus person. I'm sorry. My, my vote at a local government, I think that my vote belongs to the people independently and, and doesn't mean I'm not going to talk and make sure that I have the data. But we, um, one of the other statements, when I first qualified to drive submarines, so my, my commanding officer calls me and we do an interview. It's, a, it's about a two-year training process to be able to be an officer driving a submarine. And uh, we went in, he goes, all I ask of you is informing with enough time to make a difference in the outcome. And that is my mantra with residents. Yeah. I want to make sure that the people or the stakeholders have enough information with enough time to provide the feedback that we can change the outcome. And we're doing, sure. we're seeing that more and more, but that's going to be one of my, my first and most significant uh, items that I address on town council is very transparent, very timely information. Move the, the communication friction points from the dais down to, for instance, planning and zoning, or, or we have these committees, but engage the people sooner and with more information so that their input can be rolled into a product. Right. And it's not so, like it comes up for discussion or at a meeting and, and you're like, well, uh, we already approved that three or four years ago. So yeah, I hear, and I've heard that a lot, especially. Mm -hmm. So do we want to talk about the elephant in the room? Do you mm -hmm. know what, apartments? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and it's funny, I have, I have an entire page on my website dedicated to, I really did vote no for apartments. <laughs> and on the way over here, I've seen about four or five, I, I'm up to in, in the area of, I think, hundreds of signs and hundred, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of signs, mailers, websites have all been going through and, and they've been talking about this supposed Bill Spence votes for apartments. And I can emphatically say, I have never voted for a high-density rental apartment complex. In fact, my very first meeting, I lobbied for 20 minutes to try and turn off an apartment complex on Baseline and Cooper because I just didn't think it was the right thing to give up that commercial space at the time. Yeah, that's where Coles is, right? Where Coles is. Yeah. And I drove the neighborhoods, and people don't know this, whenever we have a rezoning, I, I wear flip-flops. I'd literally go to the dirt, take my shoes off, put my feet in the dirt, and look around at night. Does this, does this feel right? Yeah. Um, and so that didn't feel right at the time. The people didn't want it. Uh, there was a lot of recommendations against it. Um, after COVID, it probably made more sense to rezone that because we are steering away from brick and mortar. Yeah. Um, so after COVID, but at the time, it was not what the residents wanted. It wasn't what the data supported, and I was adamantly opposed to it. So there was a 5-2 vote, and we talked about the Gilbert majority. It was a 5-2 vote, and it was my very first meeting, and I, I fought very hard against that, lost the vote, but... Um, we oh you were one of the two i was one of the two that that um that you know really pushed hard for that and i think that when we talk and it's in several articles we need to have a better more strategic approach to how we address the building of multifamily and the realtors the developers the town town staff uh and the chamber of commerce and businesses are all on board with doing um doing a collaboration you know we don't need to the wrong thing to do is just build apartments to solve the problem. Well, and, and that's the thing. The, the problem being not enough roofs mm -hmm. to house everybody that's coming into the area. So I feel like that's just the first, e maybe easiest quick fix that people think of. And it's the developers. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're seeing how rents are and they see the population growth and then they see how high rents are in the area. And it's like, for them, it's a no brainer. But then, you know, for as a, mm -hmm. as a member of Gilbert, it's like you drive by and it almost gets comical because every time you see something and it's like at first I think I was like well this is crazy this is crazy on every single corner you can't even see the sky and then it just became comical like oh yep there's another one and and it really is I think you know the first thing that I would like to be able to do if I'd get on the council is um, I would like the public to understand what is already in the pipeline yeah what and be very very clear about that and what laws you know uh, are able to for instance as a town council um we cannot, if something is zoned for multifamily medium, you can't just change it. We can't say no because the town is legally liable for the change. People bought that property with the idea that they can build it and they bought for it sure. 15, 20 years ago. Right. So, you know, we are beholden to the laws of the state, you know, right. with some of these decisions, but it doesn't mean that we can't have a logical approach moving forward. We still have area to do. Um, and if we need a thousand apartments, we shouldn't approve 3000 apartments. And if we, what do we specifically need? I think that we do need some apartments. We do need some townhouses. We need entry level condos, homes. condos, condos. That's okay. So I have to mm -hmm. talk about this because yes. no one's listening to me. So maybe. Oh. <laughs> well, no, this is actually the collaborative effort with, with we serve and the liaison for yeah. an arch of housing existence. Well, for sure. And, you know, and I feel like we're just moving the directions. Hey, we want to be um, like Arcadia. We want the higher end restaurants. Mm -hmm. We want the feel where you can walk everywhere. Um, but something that those areas have, maybe not Arcadia, but like Scottsdale mm -hmm. is they have condos. And I think 
as the population gets older in Gilbert, mm-hmm. like how great to have a lock and leave condo. I think that would just be where people, their kids are, their kids are having kids in Gilbert. They want to be close, but maybe they're traveling more. Like how great would it be to have a condo for a lock and we, leave? And I think it's, that's what I was hoping for. And I think it originally, maybe it was at the epicenter for condos, but it's just really hard. I mean, people, I think at a certain age, just maybe, maybe because I'm a realtor. I'm, I'm I don't want to rent. I'm one I don't of those people. Rent. I, I, I wanna, sold my like, 3,400 square foot yeah. house and moved into 1,800 or 1,750 square feet. Yeah. And it's single story. I don't have to go upstairs to go to bed. But what you're talking about, and, and I think one of my goals is that you should be able to be born in Gilbert, go to school in yeah. Gilbert, get a job in Gilbert. Die uh, in Gilbert. Well, raise a family in <laughs> oh, Gilbert, yeah, you know, and then move. So if you take a look at what the, what the, what the circle of life is right. from cradle to grave, does Gilbert supply internal to the town boundaries? Are we providing the opportunity for somebody to live and die in Gilbert and have every facet of their life be fulfilled with what they right. need? And I think that we have the data. I love, I love talking with realtors about it because realtors will understand the starter home and then the first home with the family and then the bigger family and then empty nesters that want to go down. I was just at Trilogy in this last week when I'm yeah. like I need to come here yeah trilogy's um, so, awesome you know beautiful things and to be able to provide all the phases of our life within Gilbert um, and that's one of the things I really take a look at apartments and I just had a conversation and pushed back on some things where um, I'm not a big fan personally I'm not a big fan of a high number of one bedroom apartments because you take a look at well it's workforce housing no mm-hmm. workforce housing when I was 18 19 years old I had a roommate so I think the two bedrooms are probably, and I like quartz and tile. I think that holds its value. So we, we can't solve the housing problem now by building because we're really two to three years away if we were to say, okay, we're just going to build everything. Right. There's, nothing nothing can fix, be fixed today. And, and with, there are some things that we can fix today. We can fix things like how do we put more money in people's pockets so that housing is more affordable or, or is available to more people. Yeah, And so that is a very quick fix on how we can get, you know, the, the market system will start balancing out and we can, we can encourage business growth such that we can put more money into it. I want to go through and take a look at restrictions. I think there's a great opportunity with remodel market. Yeah. And if I can take away some of the bureaucracy and how to get some of the, the permits, permits, cool. permits should be, you know, can we, I, I don't know what's available to be done by law yet, but why would something ever take 30 days for a permit? Can we do something? 30, yeah. Can we get preferred permitting for, let's just get the, you know, this permit, this permit, this permit. And I think that we can streamline that. We have some great practices from COVID that planning and zoning, or actually the city permitting offices did where they were doing iPad, you know, the, they would do remote like uh, FaceTime, oh, yeah. FaceTime inspections um, worked out great. All these things that worked during COVID to be able to continue. You know, the town operations really only stopped for two days and they picked up everything. But the big town operation that was a success story was the continued ability to build so that people weren't losing money because right. of construction issues. Um, and I, I want to come in with uh, several of our ordinances and our policies from the town to be able to codify those best practices curbside delivery in restaurants yeah. didn't exist before COVID. Now yeah. I'm, do you go shopping? Nobody gets out of their car. Nobody gets, I like to have the food delivered to me. I love, yeah. I love Sam's club to be able to bring the big bottles of water and put it in my exactly. trunk. Exactly. Just me. open the trunk, <laughs> put it in the back. Yeah. For, so there are for sure yes. from a business standpoint, there are some good things that happened and it kind of pushed us forward mm-hmm. a little bit with technology, which is great. But I think what you're saying about the permits is because just with the building in general and all mm-hmm. of the things like materials taking forever or not being able to be bought. If we Cut can do anything as a town to like lessen the burden, I think it's great. 
mean, you, you, don't, you don't have control over certain supplies that are being shipped in and all that. But what we can do is like, as a town, I like, mm-hmm. it's like at least streamline some of the processes. And, and, you know, there's nothing we can really do with, with the supply chain, you know, for a remodel. Right. But I do know people, and I've worked with this as a consultant, where people will get their entire remodel, they'll load it into a garage, you know, cabinets, flooring, they have everybody in there. But now you have the permitting and they want to be able to say, let's issue a permit now and turn the house in 30 days and let's give a house that needs revitalization a new life and a new family and right. put it to the price point um, right. for, for people. So I think there's a great opportunity with read bond markets. I think there's some great opportunity for collaborative buildings. I've seen, you know, the two story with a garage, there is a turnkey lock and leave uh, need and desire for with, sure. with our demographic. They want uh, some larger patios for the puppy dogs, but they yeah. want gated communities. They like you know a little bit of the detached, semi-detached. They love garages. For so sure. we need to build based on what the people want as opposed to where a developer feels that they can make the most money. Right. Well, yeah, just the rents. I mean, you'll, mm-hmm. the rents, it, it breaks my heart, honestly. Contrary to what popular belief says, developers are okay with being told no sometimes. Oh. And it's like, no, you're not going to do that. How about this instead? And that counter offer needs to have the voice of the people uh, and, and really the, the needs of Gilbert considered. But um, being able to say no to it is, is not a bad thing. And it happened, I did it my first meeting and then it worked into the relationships therefore. Uh, and we were able to do some great things moving on. But For sure. Um, so there, there's some great housing opportunities I think we could pursue and I'm excited to be a part of I that solution. That. Yeah. Um, well, and so I guess that's a big thing is just figuring out the rent thing. Mm-hmm. That's just I. That's I guess that's my only thing. It's like well, people people being able to afford to live here too. And it's, it's inherently important. unstable to have too much of a rental market. Yeah. The the, the, the perturbations that go into uh, you know having rents raised or lower based on the market demands. I, I can't think of anything more unnerving than to have your house. It's already hard to get into, yeah. and then find out 30 days before your lease expires that they're raising it 20%. Yeah. Um, you know, I would really love to be able to encourage a pathway to home ownership, and that helps some stability in the housing market. And, For sure. And, and working there. You did bring up something about supply chain, and I think that's one of the big things that we need to take a look at also with our town is that um, as we move forward with our infrastructure, we need to make some really hard decisions because what we were able to do a year ago, right. we may not have the pieces parts for this project. And so we're going to have to make some tough decisions, say this project goes over here, this this nice to have is going to go over here. But this project that was maybe priority two need to have, yeah. we have all the parts and people for. So making sure you have resources. And I think we need to reprioritize where we have resources available uh, and get those sense. things taken care of. Right. But some, For I mean, sure. a lot of great opportunities. Though. What are you, um, moving forward, because mm-hmm. we talked about this, it's always great to, to, to move forward. What are you most excited about? If you, one thing, what are you most excited about for the future of Gilbert? I am, so I look at Gilbert as, can we approach build out and still be a small town? Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a very great challenge. Challenge, uh, great, yeah. Because... You know, when we take a look at our circle of life, we all live basically in about the same five-mile di- you know, radius. And I think that if we, if we work with the residents, we work with developers and businesses, that we can take a look. You ever see those farm fields where they do all the circle, the crop circles? Yeah. And they have a circle here, a circle here, a circle yep. here. And everything has its own need for what goes in there. Um, I look at a town the same way. And we take our circle of life. You get up. What do you want to do? You want to get up, take a shower. You want the water to turn on. You want the water to come out clear. You want the lights to turn on. You want everything to work in your house. So critical services. 
are the first thing that we need to be able to provide. You want to wake up and know that your car wasn't broken into, so making sure it's safe. Right. So police, fire, and ambulance services, our critical services with water, power, internet services. You get in your car, you want to go down, take your kids to school, take, get a cup of coffee, maybe have breakfast, meet a friend, go to the office. You want to be able to go on roads that don't have potholes. You want to be able to get there efficiently. You want your schools to be safe. Right. So these are all the things we take a look at. And when if you look at Gilbert, the regions of Gilbert, we have three that I've identified. The Northwest Corridor is a very specific corridor. Uh, then you have around Santan Mall, which is a big commerce area. Then you have the southern part of Gilbert. Sure. We cannot pass one policy that fits all three of those areas. <clears throat> we need to have tailored policies for what each region specifically needs. And we even need to get more into the, into the, the granularity of it and say this area needs you know, like areas for laundromats and coffee shops and maybe some, some grocery shopping over here, but it needs this type of living. So when I talk about the circle of life, are we, are we providing some of those, um, the starter homes that go into the larger family homes so that we can buy a house, have our one child, but when we have four children, are we able to stay in the same neighborhood and have a house that we just moved the next neighbor, uh, you know, the next neighborhood over and the kids go to the same schools. Um, and I, I like the idea of, little pockets of small town clustered together into a 300,000 person population. For but sure. we can, we can keep stay it small. a small we town. Can keep it small. We can keep a small town feel while we manage our, our growth. I uh, love that. And so it's a great little puzzle thing. Well, and I think it's important. One thing I was thinking about um, is driving through small towns, like family from Kansas. Um, oh. my, yeah, my parents um, both grew up there and we would go back to visit in Burlington, <coughs> Kansas. My mom would go back and visit mm -hmm. and she got to the point where she couldn't, we couldn't drive through there because it was so sad and so, because it had just become uh -huh. dilapidated. And so when people are complaining about, hey, we got to keep it small, we got to keep it small, things like that come in my mind and that you, if you're not growing, then the town's going to die. So I really appreciate the, the huge push uh -huh. to have Gilbert where it is compared to not that many, you know, back in the 90s when it was just the liquor store. Yes. And I don't know if Joe's barbecue was there and that was it. And so... I, that picture always comes to mind. Like it's important to keep it the small town feel, but you have to keep growing or else people will all just move away. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, just like most people, when I drive down Williamsfield, my new house is, is uh, closer to the Williamsfield road and some of those apartment areas over yeah. there. And it is a little shocking. Um, <laughs> do I like it? I'll be, I'll be first say, I don't like it. Yeah. And if I had been on council 10 years earlier when those yeah. zonings went through, um, when the, when the, the, general plan is approved by the voters you know we have this plan you don't know when the developer's going to decide to develop on that property and when housing market uh, when the prices right. are going up every, they're timing they're timing it every and and that's what their responsibility to their investors are they sure. would have to do that um, but there are some you know I'm working on a couple projects and I like the process to work I'm a big chain of command person so it's like as a council I wonder member, why <laughs> exactly as a council member I'm not going to step into step one of planning and zoning and tell somebody what I'm going to do because right. we have just jumped through six months of process that isn't fair to anybody to allow that that process to work um, they little known fact I think kind of do you know who commands a, an aircraft carrier hmm. no what what they're what they're jet pilots 
are the commanding officer of an aircraft carrier. And you wonder, well, why is that? And it goes back to World War II, but what I always like telling about that is that you have somebody that has, you know, they do go through a lot of training for ship driving to get there. Very, very smart people in my commanding officer. I have one that's a two-star admiral that, uh, when I was on the USS Ronald Reagan, lives right over here in Chandler. So I, I'm fortunate that I have actually some of my old bosses in the region. Right. But my, my old friend, uh, Jim Simons, is a the senior flag officer in the South, in the East Valley. Um, and... Uh, it's so it's so interesting that you know you have these brilliant people and, and what makes them so brilliant is that they understand they're a jet pilot and they understand the ship but they surround themselves with good people that know their jobs and that's what I that's what I choose to that's how I choose to leave from the town's perspective is clearly state the expectations of town staff and the, and all the different groups of people we have the commissions and boards that we have to right. empower them with clear-cut expectations of what product that they want to do and when you know how to how to take everybody into account and so um, we have all the tools we just need to really efficiently execute the plan uh, moving forward make sure everyone has a voice yeah I was just gonna say and make sure everyone's heard um awesome okay so thank you this was awesome I loved having you come down and and learn more about you and actually learn more about Gilbert so thank you I know you're Um, a busy guy I do have I just wanted to push out a couple things so you know what today is today is a very significant day today is early ballots show up in mailboxes today oh and we also do have at the gilbert public works service building 900 east juniper ave you can actually vote today Uh, oh wow uh, voting uh, we have one polling station over it's uh, kind of close to freestone park over there or the freestone rec center um 8 a.m to 5 30 p.m uh six days a week that you can go get a ballot they'll print out a ballot for you you can cast your vote and it gets counted um and then October 12th is ballots come out. October 28th, last day to request a ballot. November 1st is the last day to mail your ballot. And then November 8th is election day. And I hope that everybody watching. Yes, get out there. Votespence.com. And if you have any questions, by all means, visit my website. Contact me. Um, I'm more than happy. I'd love to come back if for some reason there's a forum event that we can do. Yes, we talked about that. I would absolutely come back and and do this again. Perfect. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. And uh, this episode was brought to you by... Insta sold at Keller Williams Integrity First, um, your number one, number one source for real estate in the Phoenix metro area. Thanks for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.